Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Show favour, O Lord, to your servants, and mercifully increase the gifts of your grace, that made fervent in hope, faith, and charity, they may be ever watchful in keeping your commands. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham at the Oak of Mamre while he was sitting by the entrance of the tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and there he saw three men standing near him. As soon as he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to meet them and bowed to the ground. My Lord, he said, I beg you, if I find favour with you, kindly do not pass your servant by. A little water shall be brought. You shall wash your feet and lie down under the tree. Let me fetch a little bread and you shall refresh yourselves before going further. That is why you have come into your servant's direction. They replied, Do as you say. Abraham hastened to the tent to find Sarah. Hurry, he said. Need three bushels of flour and make loaves. Then running to the cattle, Abraham took a fine and tender calf and gave it to the servant, who hurried to prepare it. Then taking cream, milk and the calf he had prepared, he laid all before them, and they ate while he remained standing near them under the tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. She is in the tent, he replied. Then his guest said, I shall visit you again next year without fail, and your wife will then have a son. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The just will live in the presence of the Lord. The just will live in the presence of the Lord. Lord, who shall dwell on your holy mountain? He who walks without fault, he who acts with justice and speaks the truth from his heart, he who does not slander with his tongue. The just will live in the presence of the Lord. He who does no wrong to his brother, who casts no slur on his neighbour, who holds the godless in disdain, but honours those who fear the Lord. The just will live in the presence of the Lord. He who keeps his pledge, come what may, who takes no interest on a loan, and accepts no bribes against the innocent, such a man will stand firm forever. The just will live in the presence of the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. It makes me happy to suffer for you, as I am suffering now, and in my body to do what I can to make up all that has still to be undergone by Christ for the sake of his body, the church. I became the servant of the church when God made me responsible for delivering God's message to you, 
the message which was a mystery hidden for generations and centuries, and has now been revealed to his saints. It was God's purpose to reveal it to them, and to show all the rich glory of this mystery to pagans. The mystery is Christ among you, your hope of glory. This is the Christ we proclaim. This is the wisdom in which we thoroughly train everyone and instruct everyone to make them all perfect in Christ. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Happy are they who have kept the word with a generous heart and yield a harvest through perseverance. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat down at the Lord's feet and listened to him speaking. Now Martha, who was distracted with all the serving, said, Lord, do you not care that my sister is leaving me to do the serving all by myself? Please tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. He said, you worry and fret about so many things, and yet few are needed, indeed only one. It is Mary who has chosen the better part. It is not to be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so the Gospel passage today begins by telling us that Jesus, having travelled south through the Samaritan territory, arrives in Judea, uh, in a little town called Bethany, to the home of his close friends, Martha, Mary and Lazarus. And we see that Martha's the one who welcomes the Lord into the home. She's the one who takes it upon herself to assume the responsibility of caring for the practical details of Jesus' arrival. Now, it can't have been easy hosting the Lord Jesus. (laughs) We can imagine Martha wanting to give the absolute best to someone who they held in the highest esteem. But not only that, Jesus came with an entourage of apostles and disciples and they're travellers, right? They've just arrived. Maybe they're hungry, thirsty, dusty, sweaty. Now, there's a great emphasis in the ancient Near East on the importance and demands of hospitality. And so we see Martha behaving in an entirely understandable way. In fact, she's acting according to the expectations that would have ordinarily been made on her. Hospitality demanded that the absolute best should be brought out for the guests. Perhaps we can see in Martha something which can sometimes be found in us. Instead of the presence of the guest being an occasion for rejoicing, that the arrival of Jesus becomes something of an exam. Perhaps we can see in Martha someone who's feeling tested to put on the best show. I don't know, maybe we can see in her fret and her worry the concerns of ego or reputation. Maybe she's someone who's concerned about the judgment of others, that she gains the approval of her guests. Now, it may be that we're being a tad harsh with Martha. After all, she's the one who's slaving away and doing all the work. But there comes that curious moment when the exhausted and exasperated Martha finally calls attention to her work. 
In fact, she starts with a somewhat overt criticism of Jesus. Lord, don't you care that my sister is leaving me to do all the serving by myself? She's clearly annoyed with Mary. But we can see that she's also annoyed with Jesus. She's put out the best for the guest. And he doesn't seem to have noticed. She's exerted all this effort, it would seem, not so much for the sake of hospitality, but maybe, maybe for the sake of being noticed. Lord, don't you care? Now, perhaps I'm reading too much into the text, and maybe I'm being a bit unfairly harsh with Martha. After all, she's doing all the good work, and she's only trying to help. And yet... Perhaps we can see our own mixed motivations when we set out to perform some good work. How often are we prompted toward good works because we feel the expectation and judgment of others bearing upon us? Are we not pushed by a desire to polish our appearance in order to seek the approval of others? Perhaps from time to time we get annoyed when no one's noticed our good works. And don't we sometimes feel entitled to other people's praise and esteem? And consequently, don't we find ways to draw their attention to our work and our achievements? Well, if we are indeed being too harsh with Martha, then it's perhaps only because we can recognise these mixed motivations within ourselves. Or maybe I've just got to speak for me. (laughs) But her actions easily ring true when we examine our own hearts. If our acts of service were done with generous hearts, then we're happy to serve. Isn't it good that Jesus' needs are met? Isn't it enough that he's fed and cared for and made welcome? But when our motivations aren't properly in order then quickly the finger of accusation comes to be pointed to others. Why am I the only one making the contribution? Why must it always fall to me? Why don't others help? These are the actions of someone who I suppose, like, perhaps not so content to perform an act of service for its own sake. And maybe something like this is being revealed in the words of Martha. My sister is leaving me to do all the serving by myself. Tell her to help me. Though Martha seems to be a little annoyed with Jesus for not noticing and also Mary for not helping, the Lord responds to her with such great tenderness. Martha, Martha, you worry and fret about so many things, and yet few are needed, indeed only one. And he's right, she's concerned with many things. She's concerned to feed the disciples and make Jesus welcome. She's concerned that she puts forward her best image. She's concerned that others notice her efforts, and yet ultimately, none of these are necessary. The Lord asks her to refocus on the one thing necessary, and that's her relationship with him. If her greatest goal is communion with him, then she can let go of the demands of her ego and the desire to be noticed or congratulated. Perhaps that 
is the important lesson for us in our own mixed motivations. If we're centered on communion with the Lord, then to serve him becomes the pleasure itself. I'm no longer worried about what others are doing or who will help or striving to be noticed or admired. It's just enough to be pleasing to the Lord. When we look at it from the outside, I suppose we can say that there would have been a real cultural expectation and demand that Martha show hospitality to Jesus and the disciples as her guests. No doubt about that. But what's interesting is what the gospel text leaves out. Nowhere does it say that Jesus asked Martha for anything. It appears as though she's taken it upon herself to do all of these things. And it's all of these things that seem to be the source of Martha's anxiousness and worry. The Lord says, Martha, Martha, you worry and fret about so many things and few are needed. Indeed, only one. So Martha's assumption in taking all of these things upon herself is that Mary's actually doing nothing. She's exasperated. Tell Mary to stop doing nothing. Tell her to stop being so lazy. But is Martha right in assuming that Mary's just not doing anything? Of course not. She's listening to Jesus. She's spending time with him. She's expressing her friendship with him. So over the last few weeks, the Gospels that we've had from Luke have been giving us lessons about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. We've heard about the priority of Christ in the disciple's life. Remember, once the hand is laid to the plough, no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We heard about the sending of the 72 disciples who were to depend entirely on God in their mission, carrying no purse, no haversack or extra sandals. We heard the parable of the Good Samaritan teaching us an important lesson about charity and discipleship, what it means to be like the Lord and to love our neighbour. Christ is taking great care to school his followers in the way of discipleship, and the encounter with Martha and Mary is another lesson in the Christian life. Where does the priority in lie? In doing or in listening? Well, the two need to find a harmony. And this point is brought out beautifully in two Latin words, audire, which means to listen, and obedire, to obey. The one comes from the other. To obey, obedire, means ob Audire, to listen to. Listening is the necessary precondition to obeying. Because action without listening isn't obedience, but willfulness. And at the same time, listening without action isn't obedience. It's the reality that the words of the Master haven't actually properly landed, haven't found a place to rest in our hearts that has impelled us to change and to be different. Christian discipleship must be both audire and obedire, listening and obeying and doing. And Martha seems to have fallen into the trap of thinking that Mary's being lazy, but in fact she's being a disciple. The obedire, the action, must be directed by the word of Christ and not simply by our own willfulness. 
So action always needs to begin with listening if it's going to be true obedience, if it's going to be an act of discipleship. Go through the story again. Can you find the point where Jesus says to Martha, do you mind making me a sandwich? It's not there. But the Lord does sit down and he starts to teach. And Mary sat down at the Lord's feet and listened to him. Maybe we're tempted at times to fall into Martha's trap and think that things like prayer and reading the scriptures and time with God is wasted time. I could be doing more important things. But that would be a mistake. In an Angelus address in 2013, uh, Pope Francis brought this up quite beautifully. Let me quote him. A prayer that does not lead to practical action for your brother, the poor, the sick, those in need of help, a brother in difficulty, is a sterile and incomplete prayer. But in the same way, when ecclesial service is attentive only to doing, things gain in importance, functions, structures, and and we forget the centrality of Christ. When time is not set aside for dialogue with him in prayer, we risk serving ourselves and not God present in our needy brother and sister. St. Benedict sums up the kind of life that he wants for his monks with two words, ora et labora, pray and work. It's from contemplation, from a strong friendship with the Lord, that the capacity is born in us to live and to bring the love of God, his mercy, his tenderness to others. How important it is then to obey. It's not a popular word these days, but to obey the Lord Jesus is to hear his word and to follow his direction. And when we listen and truly follow the word of the Lord in obedience, we can put aside all fret and all worry because we'll be completely occupied with the one thing necessary. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.